Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So many white guys. So many. So many white guys. So white. How much whiteness? All over the place. God damn. Listeners, welcome to this episode of So Many White Guys from WNYC Studios. It's me, your host, Phoebe Lynn Robinson, with my dear friend, Joanna Sonataroff. Hey, Joni. Hey, Phoebe. How are you? You like how I ramped up that British? It was good. I honestly feel like I've been able to see like a progression since the beginning of the season until now. Yes. Good job. Okay, Joni. Did I say your name weird? I like it, though. Okay. I'm kind of sad. I know, Phoebs, me too. I, like, went to Starbucks today, and they didn't have the muffin I wanted. Okay, that's not why I'm sad, that- you guys. <laughs> I had to do one last bait and switch. That's your signature move. This is the end of the season, y'all. I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's been a good one. It's been a really good season. I feel like everyone who's been on the show is like really creative and smart and is also doing stuff to help better the world. Yeah. So it's been like really, really cool. Yeah, it's been fun. But it's I don't been want really it to be fun. over. I know. It's just like yeah. the passing of the seasons, you know, we must draw to a close. But we've got lots of exciting stuff coming up, right, Phoebe? Yeah. Yeah, what are you doing this summer? Nothing. Come on. I'm going to go to London. Yay. Oh, Bake Off and I just want to go to Mary O, England, right? Ooh. <laughs> 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 but it's going to be really fun. And then I'm going to go to Scotland in August. Amazing. Have you been before? I've never been. That's so cool. So I'll be doing some traveling. It's going to be cute. That's so nice. Yeah. What are I your summer it. plans? My summer plans? Well, I did study abroad in Ecuador when I was in college, and I'm going to go back this summer <sighs> and visit my host families and hang out with them. Oh, my God. And I'm super long? excited. I think for like a week and a half. And then... I'm just going to, like, go to the beach as much as possible. Those are my big goals. When I first moved to New York, I didn't realize you can go to the beach here. Mm -hmm. And, like, when somebody was like, you can take the subway to the beach, I could not believe it. (laughs) I was shocked. The beach that I really like the most in New York is probably Jacob Reese. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Because especially, like... When I was freelancing, we would go, like, during the week, like, on a Tuesday afternoon when it was, like, mostly kind of, like, empty. That's so nice. So it felt like J-Lo and A-Rod, like, if I had the money to, like, clear out a beach, but I don't. Have you ever had a beach mishap? I've definitely had, like, my top accidentally, like, come down. Accidentally, yeah, right, Phoebe. It was. So this was, like, in call. That's college. We had, uh, <laughs> so stupid. It's the end of the season. I get to do all, <laughs> you every You do whatever thing. you want. Um, but we had like a retreat because I was a resident advisor. Uh huh. Um, and so. Oh my like, God, what were you like as an RA? I was just like, guys, just don't do drugs 
and don't bother me. Like, if people drink, I didn't care. Yeah. I'm like, big whoop. Yeah. I'd rather people drink, like, in a controlled setting, like, right. in their dorm, than, like, go, you know, out in the streets and do, like, you're like, something. You're like the mom that lets their kids have margaritas yeah. at home. There are no rules in this house. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. And it was, like, so dumb because they would definitely be like, you have to, like, write up residents if they're drinking. I'm like... Why are we pretending like this isn't college where people are going to experiment and do that? So I was like, fuck that. Phoebe, so subversive. I love. Well, I got to tell you, I didn't get asked back because I I wouldn't narc on people. I also love hearing you use the word narc. (laughs) You are punk. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Did you ever go to camp? No, my parents are not about that life. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Did you go to camp? I did go to camp. (laughs) I was like, I don't have anything. I like did nothing. But um, did you like camp? Did you like flirt with any boys? Were you like making crafts with your squirrel friends? I went to Girl Scout camp. Oh, that's cute. So it was all girls. And like the big thing is that all of the counselors would have fake names. What? So like you would call them, they'd be like, I'm Sparkle. And you'd call your counselor Sparkle for the entire week. That's cute. And one of the big surprises is on the last day you get to find out what their real name is. And it was like so exciting. (laughs) What was the name? Was it just like Ron? It's like, well, it was a Girl Scout camp. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So it was like Beth. But it was fun. Girl Scout camp was fun. Oh, it was really fun. It was great. Did you do Girl Scouts at all? I did nothing. Did you ever want to do Girl Scouts? No. Sell the cookies? No. I was like, I don't want to be in business right now. You sound like Octavia. (laughs) I just used to watch a lot of TV. Yeah. What was your favorite childhood TV show? Oh, gosh. I think TGIF, like all the classics. Yeah. Um, So that's probably like my favorite. And then I really loved Power Rangers. I would not take you I for a Power Rangers it. kid. Oh my god, I loved it so much. Wow. Would you like dress up as a Power Ranger? No, I wasn't like super into Halloween because my parents like aren't candy people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they weren't like into candy, so like they wouldn't take us to go like trick or treat. We went like a couple of times, but then after that they were like, we're done. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know. So I, it truly sounds like I grew up like with like sleeping on the floor, no lights, <laughs> totally. not a lot to of half friends. Yeah. Did you just play with a hoop and a stick, Phoebe? I did hula hoop. <laughs> They're like, this is your one toy for your entire childhood. Here's your hoop. <laughs> okay, Joni Mitch. Yes. For the last time, toss to that mother freaking commercial, honey. It's time for a commercial. I'm sad. I know. I don't want it to be over. This season was so fun. I'm just going to interview some more people and then just edit it. So <laughs> their quality is going to just have <laughs> a significant drop. <laughs> okay, you guys. We are back. And we are back with a dear, dear white guy i put a lot of on that jojo yes phoebe when did you first become aware of our guest today adam scott adam scott well i 
loved Parks and Rec. Presenting the Cones of Dunshire, a brand new gaming experience. Eight to 12 players, two wizards, a maverick, the arbiter, two warriors, a corporal, and a ledgerman. Now the ledgerman just keeps score and he wears this hat. Oh boy. And when it first came out, I was actually a community organizer. And so I felt very adjacent to Leslie Nope. Like it was therapeutic to like the horrible townhouse. Like I was the one who had to help facilitate those. Like <laughs> I could just relate so deeply. So Parks and Rec holds this like incredibly special and therapeutic space for me. Aww. What about you? When did you become aware of Adam Scott? Um, the first thing I ever saw him in was Step Brothers. What is your problem, man? My problem? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't have a problem, uh, Dale. Actually, I have the opposite of a problem. I made over 550k last year. How much did you make? It's not about money. No, it's not about money. Well, for me, it's a little bit about money, and I made that much money last year. I am the VP of the biggest executive helicopter leasing company on the Western Seaboard. It's like one of my favorite Will Ferrell movies. It's just so funny. It's so ridiculous. And you could tell they were like improvising so much and make each other laugh. Yeah, like totally. it was just really, really funny. So I saw him in that. And then he was in Knocked Up, but I think it was like a smaller part. Uh huh. And then this is like really, really funny. He was in, um, did you ever watch Monster in Law? With J-Lo yes. and Jane Fonda. Yes. Remember, he plays the, I think, the gay neighbor. You're a vision in white, sweetie, <laughs> really. <laughs> knock, knock. Look at you. And so is your mother-in-law. So he's, like, been in, like, a lot of shit. He's been, like, killing it for, like, a really long time. And I think, like, right now, a lot of people love him. Because he's on one of my favorite TV shows that's coming back. And one of my favorite TV shows as well. Big Little Lies. Look, I may not be the good-looking adventure ride, okay? But there is something to be said for being there, for being truthful, for being somebody you can steadfastly count on. I will not be anybody's runner-up. You need to hear that. And then, you know what? This is good. Johnny's already I mean, we over all know it. the real reason why Adam Scott is on. <laughs> is he a talented actor? Yes. Is he an entertaining and incredible performer? Absolutely. Is he hilarious? Yes. But Phoebe, spill the tea. I know Adam because he also loves you too. And he even had a podcast called Are You Talking You Too to Me? And he used to do it with uh, his good buddy, Scott Ackerman. And um, I've been on the podcast a few times. The first taping was like three hours. And it was so fun. That's just like your heaven. Yes. Like the chance to talk about you two for three hours without me, my, <laughs> anybody like saying something sarcastic to you. I picture like the voices in your life, like the voice of Bake Off saying no photos of you two allowed in the bedroom just like flitting away <laughs> and you just feeling completely free to be yourself yes it was like so fun i had like the best time i've even gone to a youtube concert with scott and adam and it was like so it was so cute did you sit in the middle what was really cute is like we had seats like up in the stands uh-huh. and then we also had like a little wristband so we can go down to the floor cute. and we could really experience it from like so many different angles. Wow. Which is like really important because of the like stage design for the show. Like you like there are different viewpoints. I so get like it, you- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, 
sorry. Is that too mean? I'm just kidding. No, I'm excited for you. You can tell I'm like nerdy now. I'm like, it's so cool. No, it's great. It's great. I'm sorry. I feel yeah. like as soon as I said it, I feel bad. No, it's so cute. But anyway, Adam has been like so sweet and wonderful. And he's such like a cool dude. He has like a production company. He like cares about issues that have nothing to do with Hollywood. So I thought, why not in the season? With a really cool token white guy. Well, I'm so, so, so pumped to have him on our official white guy of season four. Ooh, it's a goodie, guys. Okay, so there's a lot I want to cover today, but I feel like I would be a big old ding dong if I didn't just start the damn interview with you two. Let's talk about it. Sure. We're both obsessed and I have been on your podcast a couple of times. You came and did the show in L.A., mm-hmm. and then we met up at a U2 show. Oh, my God. So intense. Which was so fun. Yeah. Like, if anyone out there wants to know, like, a guaranteed good time, it is going to a U2 show with Phoebe Robinson. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh, yes! <laughs> so fun. You've been very generous with your time with our dumb little podcast. No, it's been so fun. And um, you guys got to even interview the band for the podcast, which is like just a dream. But can you tell me what it was like to just be in the room with those guys? Were you freaking out? Like, did you revert to like, you know, teenage Adam? Like, what were you thinking? 100% teenage Adam. It was a profound moment. I'm not joking. Because since I got on board with the Joshua Tree, so it's 1987, 1988, Rattle and Hum was really huge for me, Mm -hmm. too, because I was, like, 14. And I was right at that age where you click in and find your identity through the music you like and the movies you like. So the first time we interviewed them, it was at Electric Ladyland Studios in New York, and Scott and I... We're waiting there for them for like 45 minutes, just getting so nervous. Aww. And then all of a sudden, the four of them walk in. And it's a recording studio, so the edge sits at a just a piano that's in the corner of the room and starts playing Stuck in a Moment. Oh, my God. And Bono just kind of, as he's adjusting his headphones and stuff, just starts singing that song. And I think, you know, they know how this is going to please the two hosts of the U2 (laughs) podcast. And yes, I think if you listen to those interviews... uh, it's embarrassing. I haven't listened to them because I think it's it's deeply embarrassing to hear how nervous we both are, in particular me, and and all of my questions th- that I ask end up being compliments. That's how <laughs> that's how embarrassing it is. No, I thought they were great, and so don't beat yourself up. You you killed it. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so let's like get the little background on you. So you grew up in California. Can you tell me what it was like being a little Baby Adam Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sure. I grew up, yeah, in California in Santa Cruz, which is um, like a little beach town Mm -hmm. up south of San Francisco. They have, like, Lost Boys was filmed there, and Us was filmed there. That boardwalk that's in Us, Mm -hmm. I 
worked there as a teenager making taffy. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Yeah. I went to see us having no idea that that's where he shot the movie. And so the big confrontation where the car catches on fire, Mm -hmm. that's where I used to go and smoke cloves in high school. (laughs) That exact... In that shot of the burning car, I was like, that bench on the cliff is where I would go smoke cloves. So it's a really lovely town. It's a great place to grow up. Um, My parents are teachers, middle class upbringing with really lovely, supportive parents and brother and sister. And so it was great. I'm very lucky to have the childhood I, I had. Um, what kind of kid were you? Because I describe myself as like an introverted extrovert. Like I'm much more quiet when I'm not performing. And I think that always sort of surprises people. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe yourself growing up? You know, I, I'm sort of the same way. I mm-hmm. mean, I've never been a stand-up comedian, never even come close. So I've never had to go and do that sort of thing where you're out there really with a room all to yourself. I can't even imagine it. But... I also am pretty introverted. I I, I certainly value solitude when I can get it. I had an older brother and sister, but they were a bit older than me, so I ended up having a lot of time to myself, which is sort of where I got the desire to be an actor because I Mm. had all this time to myself where I would imagine all of these. I remember I used to act all by myself in my room and, you know, pretend I was in The Outsiders and do these whole scenes (laughs) from Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, all just by myself and had this whole world. Um, And uh, my mother also was a huge influence as far as bringing me to my first Monty Python movie. Who are you? We are the knights who say... There's a revival theater in the town, so he introduced me to a lot of cool Woody Allen and all of that as well. So I still enjoy um, solitude where I can get it and feel um, sort of happiest when I'm able to recharge uh, in that way. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But how can you do that? Because you're married and you have two kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, that was always a question for me mm-hmm. because I was always like the kind of person who would like to disappear. Um, but with my kids and with Naomi, with my wife, it's like it there's an exemption there like it doesn't count like they're so much a part of me Mm. you know if i'm going off on location that that first night alone in the hotel or the corporate apartment or wherever they're putting me up is terrific just to have just the the quiet and the solitude but after that first night i'm i'm miserable because they're so much a part of what makes me feel centered Oh, my gosh, Adam. (laughs) Does that make sense? That is so sweet. I love that. Did you always want to be a dad? You know, it's weird. It was never, it never really was something I thought about Mm -hmm. that much. You know, I came here really young. I was 20 and I started auditioning and wanting to be an actor. And it was just like a solo thing. And I just never really thought about it but then when it 
happened, I couldn't I mean, I can't imagine living my life without these these two kids. Um, I can't imagine what I would have ended up being if they didn't come into my life. I know you mentioned that you turned 20 and you're like, okay, I'm going to like hit the ground running with acting and you want like a ton of auditions. And like a lot of your early work was like pretty dramatic. And was that was that sort of like your dream where did you want to be like the serious actor or we just sort of like whatever work comes my way is what I will do? Yeah, no, 100 percent. I wanted to be, you know, I went to acting school Mm -hmm. for a couple of years and kind of fancied myself a very serious, like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino were my guys, Christopher Walken, that whole, Harvey Keitel, that whole kind of era of actors who are incredible, of course. And Ethan Hawke was was just kind of breaking huge at mm-hmm. that time too. And so that's kind of who I look to as like, yeah, that guy's doing it right. And so I thought I would be a really serious serious actor um yeah yeah like 93 94 i guess is around the time okay so then how did you get into comedy yeah it was stepbrothers was was where that i loved you in stepbrothers so funny yeah thank you look i got my real estate license a few years back for shits and gigs you know what i'd even do it for four fifths commish because you know what really gets my dick hard helping out my friends oh that'd be fantastic yeah that'd be fantastic yeah no, it would be kick ass, bro. Oh man. Right there. Uh, yeah, I was doing like I was doing this really dark, serious HBO show called Tell Me You Love Me. Yes. It's like yes, a yes, se- yes. sexually explicit mm-hmm. show about, you know, marriages crumbling. Uh and so I was between seasons on that and auditioned for Step Brothers because someone had fallen out of that role in Step Brothers, and so they needed to cast it quickly. So it was kind of out of nowhere. It's not like I really knew those guys or was in the comedy world at all. I just went and auditioned, and then before I knew it, I was auditioning with Will Ferrell, um, and then I got it. It made no sense like <laughs> that I got this role. And so that sort of started my me kind of falling in love with that world and then Party Down was a year or so later and then Parks and it just kind of all sort of grew from there. So I want to just go back to the HBO show Tell Me You Love Me. Yeah. Um, so I had to do like a sex scene when I shot Ibiza and I was very much like when you're like first getting into acting like it's going to be like really cool and like but then you do and you're like this yeah. is very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a bummer. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bummer. Yeah. And so and I I've, I've seen this I watched all the episodes of the, the show when it came out like you guys Oh, were you like, did. You saw that show. Yeah, it was okay. like like you guys like went for it. So how how was it shooting kind of like these explicit sort of scenes one and then also being in the space of doing a, a, a role where you're playing like a couple where your marriage is falling apart like how do you not bring that energy home into your relationship because I feel like that must have been really tricky yeah and that was part of what pushed me to really fall in love with 
the comedy mm -hmm. world was it was so much more fun driving to work trying to think about how I'm not going to laugh when I'm doing a scene with Will Ferrell and John Riley or you know Richard Jenkins and Mary Steenburgen and all these great people and there were great people on Tell Me You Love Me as mm -hmm. well and other dramatic things but how was I going to not laugh rather than driving to work kind of getting into the space of I really need to cry about the miscarriage that we're going to explore today yeah. um, at work. Not that there's, you know, that's not a legitimate space for storytelling, but that was part of, it was just a new world and a new kind of lightness and fun and invention because watching McKay and Will Ferrell and those guys, how they would do a couple scripted takes and then just improvise and see where it takes them and get it all on on film and figure out what to keep later. That blew my mind as a whole new approach to making TV and movies and stuff. But it was really dark. Sonia Walger played my wife and she's incredible and we became really good friends and she and Naomi became good friends. So yeah, the sexual stuff was uncomfortable and it's never easy to do those types of scenes and on a show where you're doing it almost every episode at least you start feeling like whoa I mean this is all fake but yeah. I've been like naked in a bed four times in the past five weeks this is crazy but yeah it was pretty hardcore like I had a fake penis that we would use it was it was really <laughs> Crazy. Like, if yeah. that went for seven seasons, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> You're like, was, all right, episode 60, bring out the fake penis again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we named it. <laughs> Do you remember the name? <laughs> I don't, but I, I know that we did. I wish I could remember it. That's amazing. Um, well, you have done so many different kinds of roles, and I feel like you've played, like, good guys. You've also played, like, sort of, like, the jerk characters, like, from Step Brothers, and you also play, you know, like, a big old evil demon on The Good Place. Like, right. Where do you get that sort of energy from that you can sort of tap into that character and be that sort of kind of like hard ass? I don't know. When the Step Brothers thing came along, I, when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And it was a fascination with overconfident douchebags. And, and I think they're so much fun to watch. Something about the um, toxic masculinity that's, really entertaining when it's comedic it really entertaining in general to watch a man who thinks he's amazing and he's clearly not and those guys had written it so well but for whatever reason it clicked in and i thought that's hilarious and i think i know like my version of that could be funny i think one of my top two parts for you characters that I, I like Ben Wyatt on Parks and Rec I love that show forever will always love it oh, um, so it was so good and I want to know like what was it like working on that show because it looks like you guys had such an amazing time yeah we really did and I know every show 
says that. Like, we were, <laughs> we love each other. We're a family, all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's probably nauseating after a while hearing every <laughs> TV show say that. But it was, and it was, the greatest thing about it is we all knew how special it was the mm-hmm. whole time. And we never took it for granted. None of us did. We The whole time we were going, you know, we just had this reunion at the Paley Fest where we had this panel in front of an audience at the Kodak Theater, which was packed with people. I don't know how many people that place holds, but it's the place where they have the Oscars. And mm-hmm. so there are people packed all the way in all these balconies up to the ceiling. And it was really moving to see, because when we were making the show, we would have these panels, these Emmy panels and stuff. And we wouldn't even fill like a little theater in the valley where wherever we would have these things. But it's lovely seeing it continue to connect with people because I feel the same way about it as the fans do. I, I, I really love it and I'm so beyond proud to have been a part of it. Yeah, so I read that you initially like auditioned for the show for a part I don't know which part but you didn't get it and then you got cast in the show later what was the part you originally auditioned for what I remember is they were auditioning people and they didn't really have roles yet Mm -hmm. I remember Nick and I Nick Offerman and I were at the same audition I guess reading this we were both going in and reading with Rashida so maybe it ended up being uh, Mark Brendanowitz, mm, okay. but I don't yeah. know. I think it was uh, even earlier than than that. Like obviously, they saw Nick and kind of shaped something that w- worked better for him, or they had another character to move him towards. I wanted to be a part of this thing, and then I screwed up the aud- the audition was not good, and so I didn't get it, and went and did Party Down instead. And then it, a couple of years later, it sort of came around again. Okay, so I just want to ask you, like, one more question about Parks and Rec because, you know, as all of us fans, we watched the show and it was, like, just so much fun and, like, it just, you know, has so many just kind of, like, iconic moments. Like, what were some of your favorite moments from being on set? Um, Man, there was a period uh, of time and I guess it was season four when Leslie was in the midst of her campaign for city council um, when we were all kind of in this campaign bus together and Paul Rudd and Catherine Hahn were guest starring as well. And it was just so much fun We were because we were on the road, like we were going around Los Angeles shooting in all these different locations for campaign stops. And and it was it felt like we were on the, the West Wing during campaign season (laughs) and it was just surrounded by friends just having so much fun doing the stupidest bits and i would literally look around and just say it's never going to be like this show it will i will never have a job that's this much fun and i i really doubt i ever will it was just truly wonderful people making dumb dick jokes together. It's the best. The latest poll has us only two points behind Bobby Newport. Two points! I know, you guys, we only have one more day to close the gap, and we're going to do so in a one-time campaign blitz aboard the SS Nope. This is going to be our home for the next 24 hours. And if we win, hopefully it will be the home that Ben and I share forever. Uh, what? This is an idea I had. We don't have to do it. Whatever. We can talk about it. 
That's awesome. Well, if you guys ever do a reboot, I'll be there watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Big Little Lies. It is yeah. coming back. I'm very excited. I I'm going to freak out. I'm telling you, I'm going to just freak out like the way I did season one. Watch it as soon as it airs. I'm very pumped. Um, For the people who aren't aware of the show yet, haven't seen it, which I feel like is cuckoo. Can you just tell us a little bit about your character, Ed, on the show? <laughs> sure. I, I Your interview with Reese was terrific. Oh, thank you. She's so, good. so fun. She's it's, so fun. I saw that on my feed that she was the guest on your show, and I and it just made sense. It was like, yeah, Phoebe and Reese, of course, those two should sit down and talk. Like, that's a great pair. Um, yeah, uh, my character, I'm playing Reese Witherspoon's husband, Ed, who's her character, Madeline, is a force of nature where she needs to have a certain degree of control Mm -hmm. at all times, or she starts feeling imbalance. And I think Ed is the perfect mate for her to absorb the sort of shockwaves that happen when that imbalance kind of kicks in. And I think he's sort of a bit of a beta male. And I think that in order to, to make the relationship work, he needs to be. But in season one, we saw his patience starting to wear thin. And in season two, we sort of see him, you know, starting to look for his own identity a little bit. Ooh, I like that. Is there going to be like, I don't want to say like a makeover scene or whatever, because your, th- your character has the beard. Yeah. That's one of the key symbols of Ed is the facial hair. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I read that that was your idea. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So why why do you feel like he needed the beard? Did that encapsulate like beta to you for him to have that beard? Not necessarily, but um, I think that, you know, I grew up, Santa Cruz is directly across this small bay from Monterey. So Mm -hmm. I... I know that area and I know like I read the script and read the book and I was like, I know Ed. Ed is the guy that works from home, always with the pullover zip up fleece, Um, you know, with the the zip up that's, you know, quarter of the way down and some khakis. And he's, you know, this Bay Area uh, tech guy that works from home and he has a beard. He has a beard beard and so the beard sort of became part of uh the character and part of sort of armor from all of this anxiety at home and or at least that's my pretentious way of sort of thinking (laughs) about it but then uh at the end of the season we shaved it off and and then it sort of stays off for uh for season two so no it's not coming back oh as far as i i mean as far as the beginning of the yeah. Season. Yeah. Breaking news, folks. Ed's beard is not in the beginning of season two. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was it like working on the set? Like, I'm very curious as, you know, because we've seen so many interviews with all the ladies talking about, like, how it's, like, so many women on set and, like, how it was a really cool environment for them. But you're, like, one of the main dudes on the show. So, like, did it feel like a different set from a lot of the ones you worked on previously because it was more um, diverse in terms of the amount of women working? 
Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. to hear uh, Reese talk about it and the fact that she and Nicole and Shailene and Zoe and Laura Dern and Meryl Streep, they're, they, I mean, it is an incredible group. And being on that set was crazy. It was like getting to play drums with the traveling Wilburys or something. Like, this is the super um, group. Adam, I, that is too wide a reference for me. Who's that? <laughs> The the traveling Wilburys. Yeah, that is. Should I know yeah, that? That no, no, you you shouldn't. That's an incredibly white reference. Oh my god, <laughs> traveling Wilburys is this super group that came out in 1988. Okay, it's Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, and Jeff Lynne from ELO. And What's they ELL? Put, uh, Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> you you would you know okay. a couple of their songs. I've, I know that I know that band. Okay, yeah. got it, got it, got it. I'm gonna email you or text you <laughs> a couple Traveling Wilburys songs. Oh, great! Um, but it is quite possibly the whitest thing you will you will hear this year. Uh, so anyway, reference noted, and being on the set was was crazy and. Really love. I mean, they're all really lovely. But to hear Reese talk about how the fact that they would talk to each other midway through the season and say, "When was the last time you had this much dialogue with another woman?" and they couldn't think of a time when they had, you know, in a movie or a TV show, so much to say to another woman protagonist is pretty crazy, and it's it's a huge step forward that this show was as successful as it was and as good as it was with all female leads. It's incredible to be to be a part of that. Yeah, and you, you kill it on the show. And, Thanks. you know, I, I think it's from this season in particular of So Many White Guys, like what has been great is that I've been having people like you who are, you know, really creative and they are dominating their industry, but they, they also do other things outside of it. So I, I know through my research, that um, you feel really passionately about gun control, which I think is, you know, very important. And guns is a thing that for some reason we can't really make any sort of progress um, in terms of getting reasonable gun control happening. So I want to know what made you feel like this is the sort of issue that I want to take on. Because it's a tricky one and people get really passionate about it. And they can be really sort of aggressive in a way that can feel kind of threatening, you know? Yeah, it is a tricky issue, and un- understandably so. I mean, there are it's, it's a big part of our culture, and there mm-hmm. are a lot of uh, places in the country where people grow up with guns. They grow up hunting. It's a part of their heritage. But I think the most important thing to communicate is that Groups like Moms Demand Action in every town, Shannon Watts, they aren't interested in coming and taking away people's guns who were kind of that were acquired lawfully and they don't want to stop the sale of guns. It's just some common sense laws, you know, background checks. And so we can at least slow the flow of guns because obviously it's an epidemic. It's a tough issue, but. I'm feeling like we're turning a corner now, and I think that a lot of candidates are now talking about common sense gun laws, uh, and, and the electorate is talking about it more. It's a it's a more feasible issue now, certainly, than it was 
10 years ago, and hopefully we can do something about it. Yeah. Well, Adam, this has been very delightful. Phoebe, you're so kind to have me on your show. (laughs) This has been great, and honestly, we could have made the whole episode about YouTube, but then (laughs) no one would have listened. No, they all would have (laughs) turned it off. Yeah. (laughs) But this is, I'm so excited for you and everything you have going on. Um, You're kicking ass. You too, Phoebe. um, Thank you so much, and um, we should do another another YouTube concert again. That was so fun. Whether it be in Beijing or (laughs) Los Angeles, we should make it happen again. Yeah, we're just going to rent a private jet, you know. Yeah, oh, totally. We'll do that. (laughs) No problem. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Joni Mitch, what a damn delight Adam Scott is. Just lovely. He's so sweet. And it's just like, I don't want this episode to be over. I don't want this season to be over. So you know what, Joni? I'm making a stand. Tell me about your stand. I'm having a sit-in. So actually, I'm making a sit. (laughs) You're making a what? (laughs) I'm staying in this studio booth Uh at WNYC Studios. Uh And I'm not leaving until you go out and book some more guests so I have some more people to interview over this summer. What if I don't? Well, then I'm just going to be here. Uh Uh-huh. Indefinitely. So then we can just shut the door and walk away? Okay, so... People are going to be so inspired uh-huh. by my sit-in that, uh-huh. like, Radiolab is going to be like, we're sitting in, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Phoebe. Well, I have to appreciate your your pacifist resistance. Thank and I you. honor you in your struggle. <laughs> I'm going to be on the beach, but good luck with that. Okay. The so. sit-in starts now. So, WNYC Studios, it's your call. I have half a container of press juicery. <laughs> Greens number three with some collagen powder in there to keep me youthful during my journey. But Phoebe, you just burned through all of the food that you had. Yeah, I did just eat all those ruffles. She just ate two bags of ruffles. (laughs) So can I order Postmates while I'm on my sit-in? And then, like, you go downstairs and get it for me and bring it in to the studio? You know what? I actually have plans starting (laughs) momentarily. Okay, <laughs> listeners, it's a call to action. If you want to join my sit-in, come to the WNYC. We'll do it together. You know what? I'm going to do a real call to action, though. Okay. Listeners, you know what? This has been an amazing season. I would love to know what people thought of the season. What were some of their favorite moments? What was their favorite episode? Like, who would they like to hear from in the future? Like, mm. I want... I want to hear from the listeners and hear what they th- what they thought of season four. Okay, that seems a little more positive than my irrational sit-in. Yeah, so, you know, let us know. Hashtag so many white guys with three O's. Oh. So, Phoebe, I'm just going to leave you here. But first, can okay. you do the credits? Yes. Uh, oh, we need to come up with a chant. So many white guys. So many white guys. <laughs> So many white guys. This is great. Yeah, I think it totally will. (laughs) This is with everything happening in the world right now, climate change and everything. This is like really going to just rise right to the top, right to the top. The So Many White Guys team includes Amory Baldonado, Joanna Salataroff, Paula Schumann, Joe Plord, Pika Zima, 
Isaac Jones, Nora Wazwaz, and moi, Phoebe Robinson. Our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. Okay, so you gotta follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DopeQueenPhoebes to keep in touch with me over the summer. And if you want to take it a step further, you can see me in person. I'm gonna be touring the world with my stand-up tour. It's called Sorry Harriet Tubman, and I'm gonna be in Atlanta, Arlington, Virginia, Scotland, uh, you know, L.A., San Francisco, Sacramento, Cleveland, Columbus, Fort Worth, Austin, all the places. So go to PhoebeRobinson.com for dates and tickets. Thanks for listening to this season. You guys, Joni Mitch. Phoebe Robinson. I love you, girl. I love you, too. This has been a good one. I know. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you, too, and I'm going to miss our amazing listeners. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, guys. And now this sit-in commences in three, two, one.